0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins
1: Colossus.
0: And welcome to episode 87 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We are nine days away from the football season opener, and because this is Maryland, you still have no clue who the quarterback is. Thomas is here to join me in this last show before we really get into the football season, and you have to be excited that we're not just going to be doing these podcasts where we're just trying to force in topics. We're actually going to have real things to talk about starting next week. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, you see all these football practices, and you see, you know, they can't hit the quarterbacks. there's non-contact jerseys, and you know all the players and, you know, a lot of the fans... You know, a lot of the media, uh, they're all just excited to actually have real games to write about.
0: Yes, and we're all excited that the media at Maryland can actually cover football practices as opposed to at Texas, in which they really can't, because college football programs are weird. Maryland's been better with media access, and please, we beg and plead of you to keep that going in the future. Don't get anywhere near like Texas or Alabama or Michigan or any of these other loony programs. Speaking of loony programs that Maryland is playing, we are nine days away from the opener against Texas, and as I joked before, we have no idea who Maryland's quarterback is, although we now have a bit of a clearer idea than we did at the start of camp, Thomas, and it might be a little bit of a surprise to hear who the presumptive starter is, we think.
1: Um. Well, I think, so So Tyrell Pigram, I think, is, is most likely the starter week one. Um, you know, he and Kaseem Hill, the true freshman, look pretty neck and neck, But I I think ultimately there's a a, a slightly higher level of trust in Pigram, which makes sense. You know, I mean, you know, he saw time last year, uh, had a game winning touchdown run, um, and the weakest part of his game uh, has gotten a lot better, which is his accuracy. So that would make a lot of sense. Um, I still feel like Kasim Hill is someone who, who he's gotten better every time I've seen him. He's like the freeze, and Tyrell Pegram is like the guy who gets the head start at Braves games. Well, wait, and, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait a minute! Is that still a thing? I mean, I yeah. saw a game in Atlanta in June when the Freeze lost, so I don't think that's an appropriate metaphor anymore.
1: Well, so well, if you talk about the finish line, Cassim Hill might lose. I mean, he if if the finish line is starting week one, then you know Cassim might lose. But I, I, I still feel like we'll see him a lot this year.
0: I, well, certainly against Towson, but I don't think he's going to be starting at least until later in the year. I mean, it's Maryland, (laughs) so there is no chance that the same quarterback starts all 12 games. But I don't think we're going to see him as a starter for a while. And even if if we do. I've watched.
1: He's, he's, He's very close.
0: And even if we do, we should talk about Caleb Henderson because he is still an enigma wrapped in a riddle inside of a mystery. And we know your connection to this of very well. all of that
1: in well. walking boot.
0: And all of that in a walking boot, yes. We know he's been injured in the past, but we never really knew how injured he was. But apparently he's injured enough that where if you thought he was the presumptive starter, he's been lapped. And even if you didn't think he was the presumptive starter, his injuries have prevented him from getting really in tight in this quarterback competition.
1: Yeah. When, when we had the, the preseason media conference, um Durkin said he was probably like 95% and then I, he had to just tweak something again and um you know he the next time he was asked he said he's probably like 85% and then he was in a walking boot and missing practice so you know it, it's it's been tough to watch as as the world's uh premier Caleb Henderson reporter uh-huh. uh, but But, you know, he's been handling it pretty well. But obviously, you know, I I think he'll still hopefully get get healthy. And he might factor in at some point this year. But for week one, he's just been too hurt for too long and hasn't been able to be as effective as other guys. Um, Which sucks because, you know, he waited a, a year and he waited behind two different quarterbacks at UNC. So, I mean, this was his time. And it might still be, but it it won't be right right away.
0: And and it's definitely unfortunate because he has been this sort of unknown quantity for so many years with regards to Maryland's quarterback situation. And it feels like he's been that quantity forever. And this was going to be his moment, and now it's very likely not his moment. And that's unfortunate, but when you realize that Maryland's quarterback history in recent years has been a lot of these kinds of – moments with players that had the hype and had the chances to take advantage of opportunities and via injury or other bad luck or otherwise haven't had a chance to take them. And it's unfortunate for him, but for Tyrell Pigram, if he does start against Texas, Maryland is going to be a huge underdog either way. I joked again before that there is no way that a same quarterback will start all 12 games for Maryland. That's probably impossible. But do you think that if it's still kind of an open competition... Because you you'd said before we started recording that there's no way that DJ Durkin lists anything other than co-starters in Monday's 2-Deep, yes?
1: Yeah, I think we'll see Pigram and Hill as the co-starters on the depth chart, um, with probably Bortenschlager and Henderson. And maybe even Brand, just for the hell of it, listed as backups. So, like, so on the 2-Deep, we will have five quarterbacks and probably six running backs.
0: It's very much a Durkin thing to do that, and it makes prepping for these games harder, but...
1: Which you is think, like
0: what, – what's the kind of you, – you could continue on to this point. Never mind. Go on.
1: Which is preferable to schools that don't release it. I mean, at least you have an idea. Yeah. Um, True. Um, I, I, remember, I remember last year their running back competition was so wide open at the start of the year before kind of Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison distanced themselves. Uh, they, they listed six co-starters at running back one time. It was hilarious. I think, yeah, I think for a conference game it was, it was wild.
0: I'm, that we, we've we seen that before, but with this quarterback situation, if Pigram is the starter against Texas, and I would be, I'd say about 85% sure at this point that he will be, what does he have to do to be regarded as, I guess, the favorite, quote-unquote, the rest of the way? Because after Texas, Maryland plays a FCS team, and that is a bye week, so they'll have a lot of time to get really into more the nitty-gritty of this quarterback issue going forward. What does he have to do against Texas to be regarded as the guy going forward and to not have Maryland fans pining for Cassim Hill or Caleb Henderson like they pined for Caleb Rowe or any other number of quarterbacks in the past?
1: I honestly don't know. I'm I'm really intrigued by that. Um, obviously, I, f- I feel like if he is the reason they beat Texas, then you have to ride him out for a little while. But that's such a high bar and it's such a vague bar still that I, I really don't know. And I think they'll they'll keep that quarterback competition open. That's how they, you know, do everything else. You know, guys have started all year and then not had as good a weekend practice. And, like, that's that's how some true freshmen got starts last year. Um, so, you know, that's the way they do it. And I feel like we'll never have a total – handle on it this year, but this is kind of a transition year for that because all the quarterbacks that they have are underclassmen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, we can accept that, but, you know, it, it will make for kind of a lot of questions all season.
0: But don't you think that these are, I guess, good questions as opposed to the bad questions we always asked about Maryland's quarterback situation in the past when it was always somebody performed really badly and we really wanted somebody else to replace them? As opposed to this year, well, hey, we have this intriguing option we don't know much about, Kasim Hill, or this guy that has promise, Caleb Henderson. Why don't we take a look and see what's happening if this year is kind of a mulligan, in air quotes.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really funny when Caleb Henderson comes in in a walking boot and just plays quarterback.
0: <laughs> you know what? That He'd be better than the freaking linebacker I had my freshman year to Sean Petty.
1: Sean Petty was good. No, he I don't was know not.
0: You- I'm sorry. I can't. I can't have that. I won't be having that. He threw that. a
1: spiral. He threw a spiral.
0: And once, in one game, maybe at one point <laughs> in the future. I mean, geez, uh, that that was bad. So
1: Tim Tebow spiral.
0: Uh, it was a Tim. T- it was a Blake Bortles spiral. Is actually what it was. Um, so the quarterback question is obviously the biggest one coming into the game against Texas. But what are some other things that you noticed from the few open practices and the information that you've gleaned about what this team is going to look like nine days from now?
1: Um, well, the one other uh, kind of tricky thing from practice is Lorenzo Harrison uh, doesn't seem to be at 100% health right now. Um, he was uh, pretty much – he was practicing Friday. He was held out of Saturday scrimmage. And Tuesday when we were at practice, he was on the sideline doing what looked like kind of like lower body drills. Um, so I have no idea what it was. I have no idea if it's serious. He looked like he was moving fine. But – uh, yeah, it, it's a tricky little thing. I don't know how that will affect it. I still think we'll see every running back, um, at least for the first several games, because there's only six of them, and after Johnson and, if if healthy, Harrison, uh, there isn't too much separation between the other guys because it's three freshmen and a sophomore who played just kind of rotational snaps mm-hmm. last year. So... Um, so that one will be interesting. Um, I still think there are a couple guys vying for uh, first-team spots at wideout um, with Tavon Jacobs, uh, Ve and D.J. Turner. Um, I think Jacobs is doing really well and should get one of those, but I'm not sure about the other spot. Mm. So it's um, a
0: lot of questions with Maryland, as there usually is.
1: Yeah, and they're also... Uh, one thing that's worth noting is they've run a few, like two quarterback, uh, not not two quarterback. That would be that would that be a would amazing. So, I'd love to see uh, that. Two, like, you wouldn't go might, pass yeah. Walt
0: Bell to do it.
1: Oh no, he. That's probably happening, but like I can't report that it's happening because I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Uh, but yeah, they've had two tight end sets a lot, which which is interesting because they haven't you haven't seen a lot of uh, tight end. Maryland. How many catches did
0: tight ends from Maryland have last year?
1: Uh, it would be less alive. than 20 we wrote, about, we wrote about it I think it was like 9
0: I would have guessed less than 20 but 9
1: I sounds mean, because, about right because Avery Edwards didn't do much and Derek Hayward was kind of just a red zone option he mm-hmm. was more of a bigger blocker specimen guy so that will be something to keep an eye on we, we know the offensive line pretty well we know the defensive line pretty well um, linebacker I, we still don't know about Shane Cockrell um Looks like Isaiah Davis would be the other guy, and you know we there are a lot of good defensive backs. And we don't know who's the like you know how they'll stack up yet, but so that'll be interesting to see. And by next Wednesday like, when we actually do, do a, next, yeah. yeah, by this time next week we'll we'll know some stuff.
0: We'll at least have a two deep to look at, which will be. Very, very important, even if it gives us something as opposed to nothing, which is might, might be what you get from Texas when you're looking to prep for that game as well. There was a little bit of recruiting news this week in football, which we will get to shortly. Let's do mention that we have the preview next week where we'll go in-depth on all of these conversations and all the position groups, and we'll go through the schedule and look to see what we end up thinking will happen this year after digesting all sorts of different previews. But recruiting never stops for DJ Durkin and company. They got a couple of, I believe, three-star commitments in the time since we recorded last, which was about 15 days ago, uh, can you give us a word on those guys, Thomas?
1: So chigozium Okonkwo, I believe that's is a great how he
0: pronunciation.
1: Is. Yeah. Um, so he's a kind of we don't know if he's a super large wide receiver or a super athletic tight end. I think in College Park they view him as a tight end, and and he'll be an interesting option uh, on a you know at a unit that's got a few interesting one i think probably the most intriguing maybe the total wild card commit in this whole class is tj bradley who is a current junior college offensive lineman at a junior college that maryland's recruited in the past uh at in in pennsylvania bradley went some 5 years without playing football uh he played basketball he's 6'8 290 right now and He just got his body back into football shape and is going to play one year at a community college, and he got 14 offers and was a three-star recruit. So he is this total wild card. Um, And in a 20-player class, you you really enjoy seeing a couple wild cards.
0: Well, it also shows you that they can recruit wild cards now, which means that they're more set in other positions. That's something that we haven't seen Maryland on in a while
1: and on the offensive line specifically um you know they they've already got a few really solid commits in this class so they can afford for him to just not have the technique and not be a super viable guy but if he is you know just watch out so if they got 20 to 21 now i forget
0: how many scholarship spots they had available but i think it's around that number they're pretty much they, close to done aren't they
1: they're they're very close to done um we were actually I was talking with Jared about this. He'll probably have something up on it soon, but yeah, I think just a couple other spots, you know, maybe two or three more guys are going to come in. Um, They're going to just throw the kitchen sink at a Yabi Anoma on the defensive line, try and get some of that. And then, you know, really, I think, I think we've seen most of what we need to see at this point. You know, it's been interesting because A few weeks ago, or in mid-April, I think, this class had only one commit.
0: And now it has 21. And
1: Well, yeah, now it's at 20. And, you know, they came pretty fast, and they're all really solid. So it's it's been cool.
0: And it's an amazing turnaround, and it shows you that at least there's always something good to think about when it comes to recruiting. Speaking of that, basketball recruiting is getting a bit heated up, and... There's some interesting basketball recruiting news that Thomas would like to talk about. So, please, let's get everybody's hopes up and then inevitably set them up to be crushed later.
1: Okay, well, we'll I'll, I'll do the opposite. Um, Emmanuel Quickly is not coming to Maryland. He, he went on TV, not specifically to remove Maryland from his list, but he was doing a CSN interview and they asked him about his top four, and he's like, "Actually, Maryland isn't really talking to me much. They're off." Um, and you know that 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 just does sting for fans because he's top ten player in the whole country, and he's from Bel Air, Maryland. Um, but but everyone's really assumed for a long time that he's going to Kentucky. He played on the USAU 19 team this summer with Kevin Herder, but also with John Calipari, and there he goes. Nah, he gets you uh, in his
0: clutches and never lets you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's unfortunately how it is sometimes. Uh, But at the same time, they're still at least going to get visits from Keldon Johnson. uh, Technically a four-star guard, but the number 15 player in the class. So basically a five-star. And uh, Moses Brown, a five-star center, number 10 player in the class. Yeah. Obviously, unlikely they get both, but they're still in the mix for a lot of guys. And they already have two really solid players committed. So, um, you know, this class is nowhere near done. We still don't know what pieces are going to be left. But they're still in the mix for a lot of these guys, and that's, that's a positive sign.
0: This is 2018, and we've said before, and we'll say it again, one of the most important recruiting classes in recent Maryland history, and it's already setting up well, and it could have set up to be even better. Uh, which of the players do you think Maryland is more after, if they're not after both equally, which is also quite possible?
1: Uh, at this point, it might be Johnson. Um, there are a few other... That, you know, there's, they're still kind of in the mix for a few other guards, and I think it's it would be trickier because... They've already at, well, at, in the post, they've already got Jalen Smith committed, who's mm-hmm. a powerful and they're in the mix for both Moses Brown and Silvio D'Souza. They definitely don't end up with three. I don't think. That would
0: be amazing.
1: And, and D'Souza is like best friends with Bruno Fernando. Um, and so that's a, a very good connection to have. And I'm sure it's helped the Terps. Um, we don't know a ton about D'Souza's uh, recruitment. He hasn't been as, like, talkative about it as a lot of recruits are. But, um, yeah, so that's that's what we do know is that they're still in the mix. Um, so I, I don't know between Johnson and Brown who they're after more. I would, you know, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I'd say it's pretty equal at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: I could say that. And that would be interesting to see. And then they also have, a, I guess, sort of more certainty maybe in the front court than in the back court. It's possible. I don't know. Yeah. Because the roster is going to look so different. crazily different next year. Yeah, that yeah. adds a wrench into when you're doing these analyses because, again, you have no idea whether one or more than Justin Jackson, Kevin Herter, and Anthony Cowan will be there next year. And Maryland probably won't know that until April. So – There's a long way to go on that front, to be sure. But it does mean, again, interesting recruiting times for the basketball team. And we now know, after last week, their entire schedule in order. And it is very compact and tight because of Jim Delaney's delusions that we're going to play the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden before the Big East, which is dumb and stupid, and thankfully is only going on for one year. But the schedule is interesting, I should say, and a lot of that has to do with, the out-of-conference schedule, which is once again pretty sad aside from the games that we already knew that were happening against Butler and Syracuse and the Emerald Coast Classic and the appropriately named Niceville, Florida. But there's still a D3 team on there, and overall it's not a great out-of-conference schedule, and that's been a problem Maryland's had in the last couple of years, and I guess in many ways it's happened again.
1: Uh, I would say so. This is you know, it's funny. Apparently it's a little bit tougher than the last couple of years. Uh, there are but some, that's not saying much because, because the last it's... couple no. of
0: conference schedules were disasters.
1: Yeah, correct. Um, there are, you know, th- that's the trick is there are a couple games that you have more to lose than you have to win. You know, games that if you win, they're not impressive. But if you lose, they look worse than they are. And, you know, that's not really going to help Maryland. Um, I don't think they did themselves too many favors. With it, and they caught a couple bad breaks with, um, you know, Butler losing his coach. I have no idea how good Butler is going to be throughout the season. Um, and Syracuse, is, has been kind of an unknown quantity for a couple of years now. Um, so I guess so,
0: TCU, if they play them in Niceville, TCU was, I think, close to the tournament last year, and they could be decent.
1: And Saint but... Bonaventure too.
0: But other than that, it's like there's a D3 team on there, and that's obviously no good, and the rest of the games are your usual fare. And Maryland, you would think for a program that has made the tournament the last three years and is one of the better teams to be regarded in the preseason, the Big Ten, would get into more of these bigger tournaments and get a chance to play better teams, and they don't seem to be able to. And I mean, again, the schedule is good in comparison to Rutgers, who schedules nobody, literally. Uh, but again, when you're comparing it to what some other teams in the Big Ten are doing, even like the Michigans of the world, it seems a bit underwhelming.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Um, and it's one of those tricky things where, you know, the, the Big Ten is at the same time, you know, deep, but it isn't – there aren't great teams in it, not a lot of them, so – I mean, you know, I'm
0: trying to think you, about who they are, they and could. I can't really think. Is Michigan State going to be actually good this year?
1: Probably, uh, with Bridges back and mm. I think Ford's back still. So yeah. they'll be good, but other than that, I don't know too much. I mean,
0: Wisconsin's going to be a very different team. Purdue's presumably a very different team. I don't know. And also, we should mention in December they play two conference games because of the bizarre nature of this year's schedule, which is – Dumb, but yeah.
1: So for whatever for whatever reason, that makes the schedule feel stronger. It if yeah, because makes you're sense. playing because conference you have, games in December, and one of those games is against Purdue, who is still going to be pretty good. Um, so it it feels like a better early season schedule, and you know you will have tough games throughout the season. Um, yeah, but there if, are going to be if a we- lot of
0: but there are going to be a lot of on this schedule. There are going to be a lot of two day turnarounds, which you used to never see. For maryland but just because of how compressed it is they're going to be playing on two-day turnarounds at least oh god multiple times more than they did after any year i can remember in the past and that's going to make it difficult i don't know again in relation to how good the big 10 is going to be they play michigan state twice they play purdue twice uh they only have they have to go to indiana they get minnesota at home Again, I don't know how this is in relation to some of these other schools, how good they are yet, but it's an interesting schedule, I guess we could say, for out-of-conference and then the other compressed reasons that are going to make this schedule a little bit fun. But we will get to basketball more in the future. We certainly want to stick with Testudo Times for information on the recruiting process, which is going to continue onward for a long time, and we think they are going to be news very much in the future. But not only does football start, in the next coming days. The fall sports have also started, so we'll get a quick word in on those before we say goodbye and we focus primarily on football, at least for here on out. We'll mention the fall sports in most of the shows that we do. Which ones do you want to talk about first? Because all of them are, I guess, interesting. Women's soccer has already started playing, and you just released a great big post on volleyball, so.
1: I'll start there. um, Because, yeah, I mean, they're... I just felt like the reason I wanted to write that was that you can see that they're building something. Um, you know, you have to if you, if you ever read anything about them, you're like, wow, okay, because just that that guy who's really. I remember really saying honest. that two years he's, ago. He's such a he's such a really honest guy, and he's really, you know, excited. So that makes that he's makes one other of
0: the most infectiously optimistic coaches and honest mm-hmm. coaches that I have ever met. And yeah. that's not saying a ton because I haven't met all that many, but that was two years ago when this program was at its absolute lowest. And now, a couple of years later, they're in the Big Ten, which is a ridiculously brutal conference for women's volleyball. And they have a chance to be good, which is amazing for a program that hasn't really ever been good.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been they've been good before, but they were like, you know, those were their their up years. And they were never – they've never been – you know, one of the premier programs and may, I think maybe that's their ceiling. I don't know what the ceiling is. It, it's interesting because aird has been here, this is his fourth year and the team is just starting to take shape of how he wanted it to, because the recruiting process takes so long, you know, kids commit so early. And so it took him a couple years to actually really get kids to Maryland. Um, and, They've now got two All-Americans uh, that are, you know, they're a freshman and sophomore this year still. Um, my, my favorite thing that I found out doing this was that one of their captains is a redshirt freshman.
0: That is ridiculous. How does that I, even happen?
1: Uh, that's when you have um, 12 freshmen and sophomores on the team and only six upperclassmen, and most of the playing is going to be Uh, A lot of the play playing time is going to those underclassmen, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a crazy little thing, Um, but I I think they'll make it work. Um, You know, you you don't know if the if the results are going to show this year or next, or even the year after that, because the schedule is just so hard, and they're you know it's it's tough to tough to break through with that, but you know, they're getting there and I feel like more people should, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe me writing this, maybe them having more big matches in college park. They're bringing uh number three, Washington, you know, one of the premier programs in the country is coming to college park on the main floor of Xfinity. Um So maybe that'll uh, just drive something. Um, get more people. Certainly you would hope so. What, you know, it, cause I think it's, it's a cool thing that's happening. That's you know, I wanted to write about.
0: Well, it's good because I remember a couple of years ago when I did a story on the volleyball team, and we did a podcast with Coach Jared many, many moons ago, and it was great and it was infectious. You could feel the change in the program. And as we said, that was two years ago. It's a lot different now. And some of the fruits of that long process and hard work are starting to be seen. And that's a very fun program. If you're in College Park, go to see those games. I know we've said that before. But we really mean it because this program, even if they're competitive against Washington, that's being competitive against Washington, which is kind of amazing considering where this uh, program was many, many years ago. Uh, The soccer teams are also getting underway. Women have already started. I believe they won their first two games. Yeah, and
1: and if they win Friday night, they will have matched their 2016 win total. How about that? And. Yeah, that's it's good Webb, so they've, they've got a chance. That's good. Uh, men's soccer um, will probably lose more than one game this season. Oh, uh, that's
0: unfortunate, because last year they but, almost pulled off something that was entirely amazing, And but they've lost a lot of players, which is kind of sad, yeah, because lost that team a lot was really good.
1: They also brought back most of their goal scorers, so it's it's an intriguing little team. Uh, They might have to... They
0: might play a lot of 5-4 uh, games.
1: Which, yeah, they, which, you know, that's exciting.
0: Well, and, I mean, if you're a fan of nice, tight defensive soccer and not having your heart ripped out of your chest multiple times, as I am, uh, that won't be fun. But if you're watching as neutral, that'll be interesting and entertaining.
1: Reporters, we're objective. We want
0: uh, well, I'm less objective about soccer than I am about other sports. I have to be honest. It, it
1: feels like... It's one of those sports that it's harder to be objective. Well, especially there's so you many guys, little do it things. as
0: I am and you know as much about it as well. Anyway. Well there's just
1: so but, many little things that go either way, like like, you know, all the um you know, the challenges and the fouls. And like you're always convinced your team is in the right doing.
0: There it. is no V A R in you know, college soccer. For yeah. Those of you listening, I boy, would there be a gong show if there was V A R in college soccer, but let's get them on the right schedule before we even think about adding V A R to this. Uh, I know they play UCLA, I think, next week uh, when they play UCLA. UCLA is one of the best programs in the country. That's a big deal. remember a couple years ago they played UCLA, I think it was on Labor Day. Huge, huge crowd at Ludwig Field, so I would assume something like that's happening again.
1: UCLA was number one at the time.
0: Yes, they were. I don't think they're number one this year. I don't remember where Maryland is ranked, but they're ranked, obviously. Six. Six, so they're still really good. Mm -hmm. But I think most people know that Maryland soccer is really good, and they'll probably be very good again this year, and we will certainly keep you up to date with coverage on that sport as well. I might do that more personally because I love soccer, and Maryland soccer has always been fascinating to me, especially considering how good a lot of their alums are. So that's about it for all the things that we could talk about heading into next week. Did I miss anything?
1: Field hockey. Field hockey,
0: that's right, yeah.
1: Uh, we'll have we'll have more once we uh, get to get to really see them in action because they they lost some of their uh, veterans from last year. Um, mm-hmm. We'll we'll figure that out.
0: We will figure it out. That's a great motto for the future for football and every other sport. So yep. as we said, next week Tuesday Wednesday sometime in that period you're gonna get a big time football show. We're gonna preview everything. We'll know a lot more because the two deep will be released. We'll probably have an idea of who's the starting quarterback then and we will preview the game against Texas and the entire season and give you our win predictions and where we think Maryland falls in with the uh, rest of the Big Tenies. because obviously the top three teams are so head and shoulders better than everybody else. And I should mention one other thing. They released the, uh, the homecoming uniforms that they're going to wear against Indiana, and I'm glad they right. released them on Monday because I was wearing eclipse glasses when I looked at those, and that's the only way you could look at those uniforms safely without your eyes being damaged.
1: I kind of liked them. I honestly.
0: despise them.
1: Okay. I think they're awful.
0: <laughs> and I am a defender of most of Maryland's uniforms. But I think they're gross. I mean That's okay. they look like
1: I mean, I like bumblebees sometimes.
0: I I want to protect the bumblebees from going yeah. away and going extinct, but I don't need to see them on my football field. They reminded me of those Steelers throwbacks that they used to wear, which looked like jail uniforms, and they were awful, and these are Pretty much the same. Why couldn't they bring back the uniforms that they wore two years ago against Penn State and Baltimore, which were also throwbacks but were gorgeous and beautiful, and these are not? It's yellow they'll, with brown-black pants. Those back too. Are they?
1: They'll, do those, they'll, they'll bring those back, too, soon, I'm sure. Oh, I, I
0: don't was just saying, they're 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 saying they're. that they were going to bring them back this year, which is something I wish they did, and those could be their permanent homecoming uniforms because they are a lot nicer, a lot better looking, and they are not yellow and brown. Sorry, I had sure. to say that. That's probably going to get me some hatred, but you know what? I got to say what I think about these uniforms. And I defend Maryland's uniforms to the hilt more often than I don't. So they're not wearing them against Texas, so that's good. They're only wearing them against Indiana. And uh, they will look better than Rutgers does when they play at Yankee Stadium. It's the other good thing that we could say about that. So stay tuned next week for the big football preview extravaganza. And now we can officially say that we are going to be back to podcasts every week from now on, football and all the fall sports, back to the normal grind, eh? It, yep. it, was so, it feels like we just stopped yelling and screaming about Maryland's loss to Xavier, and now we're already back into the big football grind. That's kind of amazing when you think about it.
1: Yeah, and there were actually a couple uh, lacrosse titles mixed there in there. And there were so.
0: lacrosse titles in the middle of all of that, yes.
1: Yeah, so we, we got to do happy screaming about those.
0: Happy screaming about those. And now, maybe there will be happy screaming about football this year? I guess it's possible.
1: Maybe. Yeah. yeah. we'll find something to well, not I be don't happy think, about. I
0: don't think we're going to be angry at football this year. I don't think there's going to be much to be angry about because it's still a transition year and DJ Durkin still patience. has banked a lot of goodwill.
1: If if you can keep patience, there won't be anything to be angry about because I yeah. feel like they'll be better and you'll be able to see that they're better. Even if their
0: record is worse. Yes. I think and that's so going so to, be the, to be the theme of 2017's yeah. football season.
1: There will be a lot of fans who don't get that. Oh, of
0: course. There are fans and that they will... will never understand that and they will and jump off the bandwagon. Of
1: and all of them will be in our comments section.
0: Yes, they will. Yes, they will. All right. We, we will probably spend a lot of internet mileage talking you off the ledge if they get killed by good teams because you'll come back and you'll be like, you were right when Maryland actually becomes pretty good next season and the season after, presumably. We would assume that. Uh, I also should say that I saw ESPN released a, um, a ranking of college football fan bases and their happiness, and Maryland was like 55. The only thing that was interesting about these rankings was that Rutgers was not dead last. I was entirely shocked by that. You could go read that on ESPN if you want. They had a little short blurb on Maryland, and I guess I think the word they used was skeptical, but I'm a little bit less skeptical, more optimistic. But anyway, we're tap dancing here. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week with the Big football preview extravaganza for the new season that is amazingly very few days away. But until then, go Terps.